KJ Allen was the first player to commit to Texas Tech with Mark Adams as the head coach. And he's back for another year with the Red Raiders. What should we expect? We've got a rundown coming on Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Be sure that you go subscribe to our channel and like this video on YouTube if you have not already. I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News. And I'm joined by Emery Lida, a longtime Texas Tech analyst, writer, and podcaster. And today we are talking K.J. Allen. I I know that he's a dude that we spent some time talking about last offseason. Obviously, he was kind of the first guy in the fold for Mark Adams. And so he received a lot of attention from fans. Obviously, you know, the Netflix thing drew a lot of popularity. And I think there was a wide range of expectations for him over the course of the season. But I thought that anything that was overly optimistic was probably a little... uh, a little too too optimistic in terms of just what we saw at ELACC. And, you know, he's got some stuff, and we're going to talk about him today and his traits. But, I mean, to play in 19 games last year, uh, just under two points and two boards and about eight minutes of play, it, it seems about right. And it seems about what I expected coming into the year, if not even a little more. I think that anything other than that would have been asking a lot of KJ Allen. And I know that he's like a Texas Tech Facebook favorite. The people over there love to call for more minutes from him. But I just think that the role that he had last season was exactly what he needed. And I think there's a route for KJ Allen to play more minutes. But as of right now, I think we got a little bit of a glimpse into who he is as a player. Yeah, I think that you're looking at KJ Allen as probably last year the most limited scholarship player on your roster last year and that's nothing against kg i think that there's certainly an avenue for him to eventually develop into a guy that can be a heavy rotation member but you just look at some of the shortcomings he had the fact he hadn't played basketball in over a year because of the covid situation the fact that he's someone that has always struggled a little bit with lateral quickness and kind of had to get himself into shape which he clearly had done over the course of the season he got a lot better from game one to game 37 in terms of how he looked and sort of on the court, his nimbleness. Um, But certainly there's just a lot that he had to kind of go through. And obviously, I mean, it's a big transition to go from the Juco levels all the way up to, to high major D1 basketball, especially at a place like Tech where defensive tasks are going to be so much as a big and having to switch. And ultimately, I mean, you look at his first year and it's, it was expected for him to be outside of the rotation. I know a lot of people, won't want to hear that. But at the end of the day, you've got guys like Marcus Santos Silva, Bryson Williams, and Kevin O'Banner coming in that have proven themselves to be elite level mid-major players or good players at the high major level. And they simply are a stratosphere above KJ Allen at this point in his career. And it's nothing against him. But when you have that sort of, um, when you have that level of skill difference and certainly different when it comes to his experience. It's natural to assume that he's not going to be in the rotation. I feel like it's not a bad thing for him this year. He gained a lot of 
experience, a lot of practice, was able to kind of develop his body to where next year hopefully he can be closer to the shape that he needs to be in and hopefully have some develop continue developing the lateral because there's a lot to like about KJ Allen. His interior game offensively is really good. And I think defensively, there are some traits there that I think he could provide value with. Certainly, obviously, his athleticism for someone of his size is incredible. But it's just it's a work in progress for KJ. And especially this year, it was to, to be expected by anyone that I feel like had a good scope of the roster that he wasn't going to be a mainstay in the rotation. Yeah, and you kind of glossed over something that I want to spend a little bit of time talking about, and that's the idea of of his build and of game shape. I, I mean, he came into last year, and he had thinned out from where he was at at ELACC, obviously a program that doesn't really have the nutritional facilities and, and workouts and weight rooms and trainers that a program like Texas Tech does, and so... Um, when he got on campus, he thinned out, and, and he was still listed at 255, which is probably generous. I mean, he was he was heavy last year, uh, to say the least, and he was probably not in the shape he needed him to be in. And you know, I don't I don't say that to like just be rude to the guy or, or try and you know just make rude comments, but just to say, man, this is a dude that didn't play basketball for a year. This is a guy that hasn't played truly high-level competitive basketball since high school. It's a hard thing to do to make that switch and to get into game shape. It takes a really long time. And so I, I think for K.J. Allen, that that was a big hindrance from, for him last year was just kind of not getting access to a system like Texas Tech before. And really, um, for the first time in a long time, probably even his whole life, even though he did go uh, to a pretty high-level high school, I believe, um, that, that he just got to be within a system that really worked on his nutrition and his training and his development. And that's why I think last year was really beneficial because it allowed him to really emphasize the weight room rather than thinking about what he was doing on the court. And I will say, I know that this feels like kind of what we do when like we used to talk about high school prospects and like really reading the tea leaves and trying to find things to get excited about. But like the the videos that Darby Rich has posted of K, KJ Allen so far this offseason, he's looking a little leaner. And I don't know how much. Obviously, it's a long time to go until November, but he's lost some weight. I, I would bet on that considerably. It looks like he's leaned out a, a little bit. And that's good news for KJ Allen. That's good news because um, I, I think part of his weight makes him explosive, but I think losing a little bit of that weight will help him get in the air more get in the air easier and it'll also help him move laterally on defense and so you know I hate talking about players weights because I think like anybody uh, that that hasn't been in sports before it, it feels really abrasive and I get it and like I get that it feels rude but it's like it's a part of the game and we got to talk about it and I think it was a factor with KJ Allen and so that that's why we discuss it. Yeah, I don't want this to be like a KJ Allen slander thing. I mean, the guy, first off, like when you go a year without playing basketball, it takes time to get into game shape. I don't care if you're Derrick Rose or LeBron James or if you're KJ Allen, like there's going to be a short fall off in the time period that takes to readjust. And certainly KJ had that. Beyond that, I mean, he's naturally been someone that's relied on his explosiveness. It's entirely possible that his early parts of his high school career and certainly into college he was getting coached up to kind of add on that weight and sort of be someone that was big and had a lot of 
weight on him. And so going to the D1 level in a high major program like Tech, you're going to have differing opinions. You're going to have a nutritional program that's going to completely just shatter anything else that he's had in his whole life. And I mean, you look at one of the things that I always look at is some how long it takes for the transfers that come in to adjust. And I feel like Kevin O'Banner was a really good example of this this past year. Someone that he wasn't in bad shape by any means. I mean, he had just come off of a sweet 16 run with Oral Roberts where he was tasked with playing 35, 36 minutes a night. He certainly went through the draft process. But when he came to Tech, it looked like it took him a few games to really get used to the conditioning, kind of to get himself in the game shape. And you've seen that before with other guys as well. I think it took Marcus Santel Silva a little bit of time at Tech. It certainly has taken some of the freshmen sometimes to get kind of their legs under them. So it's a natural part of the game. And with KJ losing the weight, like I don't think that it's something that he should be frowned upon for. I mean, it's just a part of life. And I think that you look at how it was able to, how he's able to improve his game. And certainly, I mean, I definitely think getting leaner and allowing him to kind of have some more quickness is going to help out his game, but it's a part of the process. Everyone at Tech has time that they're going to have to, things that they're going to have to develop. And for in KJ's example, I really do think that kind of getting a little bit better in a game shape, sort of having the nutritional program around that allows him to sort of develop for a full year, it's going to do wonders for him. And honestly, that was probably the biggest limitation for him this year was just simply wasn't quite in game shape that you would need for the bigs and tech system. And then it it was going to take time for him to develop within the program from a skill standpoint as well. And both of those things can be addressed through another year in the system and another year of being with his coaching staff. And it's clear that he's made strides. I mean, you look at how his body's look compared to when he first came into tech and then some of the on-court stuff we saw. So there's a lot to like, and I think that you shouldn't take just the weight that he has a negative because it's all a part of the process. That he was as good of an athlete as he was at his weight, I feel like is a good kind of factor to consider whenever, you know, if you want to be optimistic about him, I feel like that's a good thing to kind of see and to project that, hey, this guy, he, he's got some weight on him, but he's still moving and he's still an athlete. And so if he can shed a couple of pounds, this is definitely something that could uh, play into his favor. But I want to look back on some of his notable games over his uh, first year at Texas Tech. Uh, but first, a quick word from Built Bar. Summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags and your kids' backpack. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars, they are healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both, and it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order now. Built has a ton of good flavors like banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, well, thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Make sure to go check out Locked On NBA Big Board. 
Host Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board Newsletter is joined by my good friend Richard Stayman, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, Mock Draft, Player Rankings, and of course, Big Boards. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Well, I think that K.J. Allen's uh, freshman year, I, I guess, he's technically a freshman last year, right? It is a... Uh, is a is, or a sophomore same thing who knows anymore um i i feel like you know where i might have been a little bit pe- more pessimistic on his role i thought that i saw some really good things still and i think that probably what a lot of people would would coin as the the best game of his season was the win over kansas state in lubbock uh came into that game played 19 minutes had six points and eight boards um, he just looked explosive in that contest. And that was really, really exciting for Tech because early on in that game, you had Bryson Williams get into some foul trouble. Marcus Santos Silva picked up two quick ones as well. And then KJ Allen, you know, he has to come in and play 19 minutes. And he was more than serviceable. He was really good. He was good on the glass made some good plays on the offensive end, got around the basket and generated his offense there, and then had almost half of the team's offensive rebounds in the game. Ended up playing more off the bench than TJ, Malik Wilson, and Clarence Nadolny. And so that was a pretty big outlier performance, I think. I mean, we 19 minutes was by far the most minutes that KJ Allen played, only the fifth game that he played over 12 minutes last season. But... I think the things that we saw in that game are good projections for what to expect moving forward. Yeah, and it was a good follow-up from the game against TCU that he had the game before where he had two points and played in nine minutes. So it kind of was critical off the bench. And I think that's something to really look at is those were two Big 12 quality teams that he was able to play in the rotation. And Certainly, it wasn't all good. In the Kansas State game, his offensive activity was incredible. He was able to get the three offensive boards, get the six points, and certainly had a big impact. But then, obviously, you had the defensive side of things. I feel like late in the game, Kansas State was able to really exploit him on switches. Same thing kind of happened in TCU. And that's sort of one of the things where like, you look at what K.J. Allen brings to the table. And offensively, it was clear last year that when everything was going well and when he was able to get on the court, he had – quite a good inside game. I'm not sure if it was much of a formal offense or just simply him being a good hustle guy, because certainly he got good offensive putbacks. He was able to sort of be active on the glass and also felt like his finishing around the rim was pretty good, but it's just where you have that offensive ability defensively was kind of a little bit of a trade-off in that sense. And in the Kansas state game, it worked out in his favor because he was able to get, be really important on the glass and the offensive rebounds helped out tech on that night. And certainly, and when Bryson Williams was in foul trouble, kind of uncharacteristic game from him in the sense that he was kind of limited in minutes. And then obviously that was a Kansas State game where you were really kind of getting decimated from the outside as well. So for KJ to be able to kind of have that level of impact on the glass and on the team in general and play those 19 minutes, played as many minutes as Kevin O'Banner, that was really vital. Um, but with that as well, you also saw some of the limitations and as well as that, another game that I think was a really good game that was worth mentioning was the Iowa State game. And the stats don't really look all that pretty. He ended up with only two points, went one of two from the field, or one of three of the field, one of two from two-point range. 
and really didn't do a lot from a stat standpoint. But that was another time where we saw KJ forced in the rotation and he was forced to play a few minutes at the three just because of how Tech's lineup looked with so many guys out due to COVID. And I felt like that was probably one of his best defensive games we saw. And that was the best he played from a switchability standpoint. And I think if I'm looking at for reasons to be optimistic about KJ Allen and his role next year, offensively, you look at the Kansas State game and look at what he was able to do without really having any formal offensive game for him. And defensively, you look at Iowa State and just see some of the glimpses that were there. And certainly there were also some struggles that came with it. There were struggles that came throughout the season. But I think if you combine those two games, you have a player that really is not that far away from being a really big contributor. And we saw in the Kansas State game, Mark Adams clearly trusted him to play nearly 20 minutes. And certainly there were moments that didn't go so well for him. But he had enough confidence that late in the game, Bryce Williams could have checked in. And they waited pretty late in the game i believe until less than three minutes to sub bryson back in so there's a lot that goes into that but certainly kj allen had his up had his upward moments in big 12 play especially that k-state game and as well as that i feel like iowa state defensively was a good one yeah and i'm glad that you kind of brought up the defensive end of that kansas state game because my mind's a little tired still from the season man i haven't really caught up on tape and watched everything in a whole but now that you mentioned that, I remember uh, just him getting barbecued, quite frankly, by that Kansas State backcourt. And it was a good backcourt. Like, you know, you're you're dealing with some serious pull-up shooters, some serious ball handlers, um, but they were hunting him. Like, they were legitimately hunting him at points in that game, and that's just not something that, that we've become accustomed to seeing on a Texas Tech defense. But... I guess kind of with that, I mean, we, we we were mentioning this earlier of like, hey, it, it takes transfers time to adjust. And you mentioned Marcus Santos Silva. I would say like he didn't even fully come around until uh, last season uh, of who he was truly as a player. And so, I mean, is that something that you're projecting to get better with KJ Allen? Is that ability to move on the defensive end? So there's two sides of it. I think he can cer- he can certainly get better at moving. I will say just the way his body type is and the way that we've seen him move on tape, he does not strike me as someone that has the quick twitch ability that you generally see with bigs that are able to switch really well. It's like one of the things I think about is like a Daniel Bacho, for example, we covered him on our last player review and he's someone that if you watch his movement, he's able to really have good, good lateral movement. He's able to do it quick. And it's more, it's honestly as much of a genetic thing as anything. And I feel like that's something that's always going to be a little bit of a limiting factor with KJ Allen. But there's certainly things that he can do to maximize what he already has. And certainly you see that he has the ability to lean out. We've already seen that. It's been a point of emphasis. That's going to allow him to move a little bit quicker. He can do more agility or drills, continue with the whole year worth of strength and conditioning training. That's going to help out. I think that he's always going to be someone that's really got that kind of explosive tight and that he's more of a strength and sort of even vertical guy than necessarily a lateral mover and with that obviously you have the quick twitch ability you have the ability to kind of switch on a dime that's always going to be something that's limiting but certainly it can be a lot better than the Kansas State game I think that that was kind of like the worst case you had guards that were objectively really good at sort of moving quickly and exploiting switches specifically Nigel Pack and even our favorite Mike McGurl were able to kind of attack those switches. And so I think that there's 
there's a lot that you can go to improving on KJ's abilities to switch just from maximizing his own physical body. But there's also a bit of it that I do think is just kind of naturally going to be limited for him, regardless of how much he improves, how much he leans out, and how much he works on his agility. Yeah, I'd say I'm cautiously optimistic for improvement, but I think we, we've got to be really careful about how we define improvement because, uh, I mean, Marcus Santos Silva improved from a guy that could not keep up with guards to a guy that was a legitimate one through five switcher. Um, but there were things on Marcus's tape from VCU that suggested that he could do that. I mean, he was getting like these top of the key steals that he managed to get like twice a game at VCU was a really interesting thing that I remember seeing whenever he first committed. But with KJ Allen, I'm just, I, we, we just don't have that. And I don't think it's fair to project onto him to be a guy that can all of a sudden guard the Nigel packs of the world or, or guard the Mike McGurls. And so I would say I'm cautiously optimistic for it to get better. Um, but better probably doesn't look like a legitimate one through five, even two through five, maybe even three through five switcher. I think it's just a matter of being able to play effectively in the pick and roll, being able to be on the court and not get straight up hunted. I think that that's a tangible area of improvement for KJ Allen, and it's also one that'll bode really well for him. Um, I want to talk about his role next season and kind of where he could fit in, what kind of player he could be. But first, a word from Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so projecting K.J. Allen's role as a player, I feel like is pretty much settled. Like, we spent a lot of last offseason really pushing this idea that this is a guy that should move from the wing, which is where he played at the community college level, to being kind of like a small ball five, um, essentially just like a boulder at the four. And that's pretty much what we saw. His role is solidified as a front court player. He's not going to be a guy that plays on the wing. He's going to be a guy that's back to the basket, screen and roll, um, and anchored down low both on offense and defense. But when you kind of look at the makeup of, of the roster as it stands right now, how does KJ Allen kind of fit into the fold, or, or even does he? I mean, to put it quite simply, he's got to make improvements to be able to be in the rotation because – as of now, if you look at what he had last year, an offensive player that is a good hustle player offensively, but really doesn't have much game outside of getting put backs and being able to kind of use a little bit of finesse in the post. Outside of that, not really much of an offensive game, can't really shoot the ball, isn't much of a playmaker. Defensively, I'm just not seeing it. I think he's going to have to make pretty significant improvements to be able to be in the fold as a fourth big. And even then you're looking at him as kind of like, sort of on the fringes of the rotation. And so there's an avenue for it because Tech was able to roll with four bigs in the rotation for a good portion of last year. They've done it before. Certainly it's something that Mark Adams, I feel like, is willing to go into. But for KJ to do that, he has to be able to prove that he's going to have the potential to switch and not be a liability on those switches defensively. And then offensively has to have 
I would say maybe a slight uptick in role. We mentioned with Daniel Bacho a couple of days ago that it was really important for him to be able to improve in some aspect offensively just to justify keeping him out there. And I think the same thing applies to KJ. Like even if he improves his defensive defense offensively, you've still got to have a, at least a little bit more of a role. And certainly, I mean, he's got the finishing ability and the touch to be able to be good offensively, but getting those buckets and being able to get in those positions is going to be another story. So it's just going to come down to what his development looks like. But certainly, I mean, you mentioned that it's pretty much solidified what his positioning is going to be. Completely agree on that. I think he's, at this point, he's a four small ball five type of guy. It just does not have the lateral to be able to play on the wing. And it's honestly, it's something people look at the height at six foot six, but I honestly think for one, his explosiveness and leaping ability offsets that. That's like, for I'm always a believer that in terms of front court player size really doesn't matter in terms of height, but just looking at it from KJ's perspective in particular, he's someone that has so much burst and vertical ability that like it kind of offsets some of the pure height disadvantage. And from a strength standpoint, he's got the Marcus Antil Silva ability of not getting bullied around. So I think it's just going to come down. He's got a lot of development to do from a skill standpoint. I'm not entirely sold on it happening, but certainly there's an opportunity there. And I think that in the front court, being able to roll with four players is something that's going to work into KJ's favor. You touched on something that I think is a big key of how I think about his role next season. I think that there are really two things that allowed KJ Allen to play as much as he did last season. One of those was just hustle. And like it, it's a word and a and an idea that gets tossed around way way more often than it should in our circles. Um but KJ Allen is genuinely a dude that when he got checked in, you knew that he was gonna work hard. I mean, those eight boards in Kansas State were were not, you know, just gimmies. He was not stat padding. He was down there hustling for them and working for them and that's something that's going to get rewarded uh, by coaches coaches love that because usually it shows up like that's literally what first two years of Clarence Nadolny entailed was a guy who just went out there and busted it for however many minutes he was on the court and so I think that's one thing Um, but I think the other thing is just when Texas Tech needed an athlete specifically an athlete uh, with vertical athleticism so a guy that can get into the air probably their best option was KJ Allen, which feels crazy because there were some jumpers on the team last year. Like you had Adonis Arms, who was nuts. You had TJ Shannon, who was really good. Uh, But KJ Allen, I mean, we talked about it with his size and stature. He just brings something to the table that not a lot of other people have. Um, And so I feel like that really helped him earn those minutes. And then I think looking at next year's uh, looking at next year's roster, that's difficult to be confident about because that's Robert Jennings. Like that's Robert Jennings' game in, in a sense, and that's that's really the most projectable and solidified skill for Robert Jennings at this point in his career is his ability to just get in the air and run to the rim and, and make buckets there. And, and so I think that that gets that gets a big hit to KJ Allen's projectable playing time just because you've got in my mind, a better athlete than him. And like, it sucks to say, and there's, there's obviously an avenue where KJ Allen could change that, but it's going to be an interesting situation to watch between those two, because if Jennings can pick up on, on the, on the scheme, especially the defensive scheme pretty quickly, then he's going to take those minutes. But 
there's certainly an avenue where KJ Allen um, is still the athlete that he is, gets a little bit leaner, adds some versatility on the defensive end, um, gets used in the pick and roll a little bit more, and, and he finds himself, you know, playing eight to seven minutes for 20, 20 games over the course of the season. I, I would not project a big increase in his numbers. Like, I don't think he's a guy that you can pencil in a couple of spots higher in the rotation than where he was at last year, but uh, certainly very attainable areas where he can improve and put himself in a better position for minutes. I just, I feel like it's an uphill battle at this point. Yeah. And you make a really good point about Robert Jennings and obviously we'll cover Jennings more in depth as a player over the course of this off season. But when you look at what Jennings brings to the table, there's a lot of the strengths that KJ Allen has and certainly vertical ability just pure strength for his age and size and his just athleticism you would say that kj allen is a really good athlete but robert jennings has that athleticism from a power standpoint and i think he has a little bit more of the finesse game that kj due to this due to his size could lack a little bit of so certainly i mean jennings is going to be in equal footing with kj coming into the season i would say certainly it's going to come down to which one of them can develop more and sort of pick up defensively and that for me that's really going to be the avenue for KJ Allen if he has any shot of being a spot minute guy being at the end of the rotation defensively I think you're going to have to see pretty massive strides because Mark Adams and the no middle defense in general is a scheme that you don't have to have two bigs on the court at all times you sometimes don't even want it so they're more than comfortable to run into the season with three bigs in the rotation and you know you're going to have Kevin O'Banner and Fardell's AMAC as your top two bigs and you're going to have Daniel Bacho as a third big who's already showcased his ability to be a positive player at a high major level. You don't need the other two guys to make the rotation. There's a complete world where Jennings and uh, Allen are both getting DNP CDs for 20, 25 games of the season and it not be a surprise. And so for KJ to make any improvement, he has to give, give Mark Adams and the staff a reason to play him. And certainly the hustle goes a long way. Coaches love to see that. It might get him a little bit of spot minutes, but defensively, there's a lot of work to be done there. I think both from a schematic standpoint and a mental standpoint, as well as just improving the lateral, like we already mentioned. And we'll see if it happens. I mean, certainly if it does, if KJ can make those improvements and show out during over the course of the offseason, you could easily see him get spot minutes and maybe a back-end spot on the rotation. I'd have a hard time seeing him being more than the fourth big in a four big rotation for tech, but anything can happen. And I mean, KJ is a player that has some value in him just because of his hustle and because of his sheer athleticism, but it'll be interesting to see because certainly him and Jennings have a lot to improve on. And I think they're probably the two most raw players on scholarship at tech. So we'll see. Certainly. I mean, KJ Allen is a guy that has, Developed a lot, I would say, from a body standpoint, obviously shedding a lot of weight since he got to Tech. And we did see some improvements on him over the course of the year. Like, I couldn't imagine him having the being able to play 19 minutes against Kansas State at the start of the season. And we saw that in late February. But still a lot of still a lot of improvement to be had. And it's one of those things where I guess we'll just have to wait until the start of the season to really see if he's able to crack the rotation or at a minimum at least get some good, a little bit more spot minutes next year. Yeah, and with that, I believe that's all of our player performance reviews for the 2021 and 22 season. Oh, except for Buzo, man. But he's gone. Returners, I should say. Returning reviews. 
unfortunately, um, Buzo, not back in the scarlet and black, but uh, wish him all the best at Boise State. <laughs> there are a couple of guys on the roster that we have not uh, provided breakdowns for. One of those is Demarion Williams, who we'll have in the next couple of days. And then we, we haven't talked about the freshman. I, I, I just realized that whenever you mentioned or whenever we were talking about Jennings. So we'll have something on them in a couple of weeks, but maybe we should hold off on those um, just in case the freshman class isn't done quite yet. But thanks for making uh, this KJ Allen episode uh, your first listen every day. Follow us wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give this video a like. Go follow Emery on Twitter. Show him some love at Eraser41. Follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter page at Locked On TTU. And then be sure uh, to just leave us a review, subscribe to our feed, and leave us a like on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. And make your second listen Locked On Big 12. Get all your daily Big 12 news in less than 30 minutes with Big 12 expert Josh Neighbors. Emery was on there yesterday, so check that one out as well. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday.